Hey, 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 welcome to today's show on The Real Tea Talks with Taiyi, hosted by investor queen Taiyi. On this show, Taiyi aims to empower women, wives, and working parents with financial literacy fueled by real estate investing. Are you ready to learn how to create generational wealth and leave a legacy for your family? Go to www.wholesalingai.com. Now, for today's episode, here's your host and investor queen, Taiyi. Hey everyone, I am so excited to be back. Well, the real estate market right now overall it seems to be crazy. It's super hot in most markets, let's face it, right? It's not just in select markets. Some are hotter than others, but for the overall real estate market and at least here in the United States, I think there's a general consensus that the market is very hot. So with a lot of hot Real estate comes a lot of activity and for a lot of investors, that's usually opportunity. That's usually a great sign. So my family and I have been doing some extensive traveling. We've been on our money tour. We've been raising private capital. We've been acquiring phenomenal deals and especially portfolio deals of single family and multifamily rentals. So we have had our hands full and our work definitely cut out for us. Now, in addition to all that, just to sprinkle some flavor on top of that activity, right, is that we've been having so many power outages, so unexpected and so, you know, many that it just becomes like the new norm for me for the last week or so. So, For the brief hiatus, I appreciate my listeners. I love you guys. I am so sorry that it has not come sooner and been more timely, but that is a little bit of backstory and insight as to where has she been? Where have I been, right? Um, I appreciate everyone texting me and reaching out to make sure I was okay, but our family is doing fantastic. Our real estate is growing. Our business is booming, so we are feeling great. So I wanna share with you guys something in regards to, entering into season three of the Realty Talks with Taiyi podcast show that we're now into and kind of a segue out of the past two seasons and into a new show format that I want to give you a sneak peek on. So here we go. There's really three key areas that are going to change by popular demand because we are listening to our listeners, right? I'm listening to you guys. And so the first area of change is going to be on the topic. If you've been following the show, then you know that season one was all about general real estate information and really foundational insights that can help you build your business and learn how to finance your business along the way through non-traditional financing options, otherwise known as OPM, otherwise known as creative financing, whatever you know it as or call it, right? That is what that season was about. Then the season Season two was all about kind of Q&A styled discussions to help you build your knowledge and inspiration to do something, to execute on that foundational knowledge by giving you real case study like examples of real deals, real situations, real numbers so you can really do it too. Now, season three's topic is going to then segue into 
being a landlord investor, being a landlord, long distance landlord at that, because right now in the market today and in the environment with interest rates super low, inventory super low and rehabbing properties being super saturated in most markets, we have to start to develop the conversation and a different narrative about how real estate investing can still be done. Now, for people, depending on their goals and situations and age and, and, and where they're at in life and who they're with and all of these different dynamics and, and components kind of build into your overall investment strategy and plan, right? However, the market should dictate some of your movement, some of your discussion, some of your investments even, right? And so what we're seeing in the market right now is that there's highly saturated markets where flipping is just people are flipped out the market is what we what we're saying right is because the margins are becoming more and more thin as more and more investors saturate or get involved in the real estate market so flipping is honestly not a viable option in a lot of markets it doesn't mean you can't do it it just means that's just not the economies of scale that we're looking to leverage as we invest in real estate right we're looking for something that has less volatility, right, than the stock market, and also less volatility than an oversaturated flip market, right? We've never been flippers. Our, our model has really been into the buy and hold, right? A lot of people call it the Burr strategy. It was coined that phrase, and a lot of people reference it from bigger pockets and things of that nature. However, that has been our strategy before it was called Burr, I think. And it's not that we made it up. It's just that we were doing that. We were leveraging that, right? My husband and our team, that's how we were investing with the long-term game in mind. So we have not done anything uh, I won't say it's not different. It's just scaled, right? It's just amplified now because of knowledge, experience, market, all of these different things have built that momentum. And instead of renovating market um, uh, properties because of the market right now, in a lot of markets, new construction is not the new wave, but the better wave with better market margins and better returns, right? Did you catch that? I said that new development, development deals are on a super super rise. Right now, all of our friends and family, colleagues and investors, they're like, yes, let's do it. We're all in, right? We were tiptoeing at first, but now we're like geeking out on it. We're like going crazy over the fact that new construction development deals have this insane margin with a lot more probability of having you be a passive investor. If you're like me, you don't want to fix toilets. You don't want to jump at the beck and call of tenants. You don't want to have another boss and that boss be a tenant, right? Because they're telling you what to do and submitting maintenance orders to you. You also don't want to be on the side of the fence where there's a lot of skepticism in regards to like, what am I going to break down this wall and find behind it? What am I going to pull out, uh, you know, or demo and uh, find it? problem of, right? That's the rehab model, right? That's not to say that we don't renovate properties. It's just that we're not renovating them initially with the intention of reselling them versus holding them right? Being a long distance investor also allows you the leverage of not having to jump to those toilets, jump to those tenant calls, jump to those emergency quote unquote situations if you're long distance, right? If you're investing in Texas and you're here in California, like us, you're not getting on a plane to fix the toilet. It forces you, right? It forces you to be more creative. Just like a conversation that my husband and I were having with some folks today, 
in regards to volatility, in regards to hard assets, in regards to secured calculated risks that you want to take, especially in a market like this, where there's so much opportunity and potential for appreciation, uh, um, um, potential for growth, potential to really build, expand, and scale your current or new endeavors in the real estate world, right? So let's talk about that because a lot of people, right, on today's show are going to be dabbling in or going all in, right? Or better yet, even coming out of the stock market. So a very, very valid point to make here is what is the opportunity cost of being a long-term investor as a landlord, right? Versus just deploying that same capital, meaning investing your same money into the stock market right? Well, I'm not a paper asset type of person. I'm a hard asset type of person. I like the control. I like the stability, right? I like it to be scientific almost, something calculated, something tangible, something insured. All of those things are not stock-based. Now, if you want to be hands-off, As an investor, if you want to delegate the management responsibility to someone else, if you want to delegate the research responsibility to someone else, if you want to do that, that's not a problem. Well, you should probably then stay in the stock market, right? And maybe dabble every now and again in the real estate market. But if you're like me and you like the idea of having less volatility, having your investment insured, If you like the idea of using leverage so that you have a very strong cash on cash return, if you like the tangible hard asset game, right, then you're in the right lane. Then you're in real estate, right? And when people say be in real estate, now we're talking about, well, how, what markets? All of those things are second to making the distinction between what type of investor do you want to be? So that's what this season is going to be about. We're going to Number one, change the narrative, change the topic so that we're talking about long-term investing as a landlord and building your rental portfolio as a landlord investor to buy properties with the intention of holding them for long-term passive income and then scaling that to bigger investments so you do fewer deals per year, but with 10 times the margin, right? That's where the really passive component comes into play versus the residential, smaller real estate, single family and multifamily. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with those investments. You can stay invested or start or or remain interested and invested in those type of assets. But if you're really looking for time freedom, then you may want to look in other directions, right? Because a lot of people get confused with, okay, I want to be, and I heard that it's important to be diversified. Well, let's take a pause and say, hey, what does that really mean? Diversified does not mean doing a thousand different things. Diversified for real estate means that you're diversified amongst the different assets, right? That's paper assets. That's real estate. That's business, right? That's commodities. That is where your diversification can come from. In general, when it talks about when we're talking about investments, if we're talking about real estate, well, then we're talking about different asset classes. We're talking about single family versus small multifamily two to four units versus larger multifamily five to 16 units, maybe versus larger institutional deals that are up to one, two, three, four, five hundred units per 
building, apartment living, right? Apartment investing. Syndication models also is, is, is the next step of passive investments. So that's number one. We're going to talk and change the narrative in regards to the strategy that you have when you're acquiring properties and the intention on your exit. The second thing we're going to change is the timing, right? A lot of people are saying, hey, at this point, even our publishers of this show are saying, hey, Tai, we're getting an averaging, I'm told, on average, at least 300 downloads, over 300 downloads now per week. That's over a thousand a month. That's great. I'm very happy with that, that the message is starting to resonate and spread, right, to more ears and listeners than, than, than when we initially started. So the show is growing. The content is going to grow. With that, it's also that you guys are getting bogged down in details, right? It's like info packed, but it's kind of debilitating the action component and you can't change and effectively change your life, your finances, your freedom, your family, your generational wealth that you're trying to build without taking that next step of action and implementing what you're learning. So these, ne this next episode is going to really be designed towards shorter times, right? 15 minutes or less would be ideal. Okay. Now we talked about topic. We talked about timing. You're like, what else is changing? Well, let me tell you, it's not too bad, but it is publication, right? When are our producers going to help me to get this show out to the listeners, out syndicated across the marketplace so you guys can listen? So our publication date is going to change to being on a Friday. So we'll see how Friday publications go in the morning, ideally, at least Pacific Standard Time zone. And if it works great, we'll keep it. If not, then we'll make changes because you have to be limited and you have to be flexible when it does come to real estate. But as you know, also publication. So I'm not opposed to these. I hope you guys like these changes. I hope you understand the direction of the show. And most importantly, I hope you still like, share, subscribe to the channel, listen in because it's going to be jam packed with a lot more information, especially valuable for those people that are looking to build their, 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 passive income portfolios as a landlord investor, buying, renovating if needed properties with the intention of tenant occupying them. So they pay down the debt and pay into your passive income per month. Okay. Now, before I leave you guys today, I did want to leave you off with this topic of real estate versus stock investing with something to think about. If you're dabbling between like which option to go towards or having conversations with others of where to deploy their capital, where to invest their retirement funds, where to, uh, you know, uh, be able to be in real estate or be invested so that they're not in consumption and consumer mode and losing money. Now, something to think about. Stocks, for example, right now are producing a return of eight to eight and a half percent, right? That are it, that number being adjusted for inflation. Okay, so if we're talking about stocks versus real estate investing, then we're talking about the opportunity cost. If someone is saying, hey, why would I jump from stocks when I'm getting an eight to eight and a half percent return adjusted for inflation into real estate when you're only offering me as a debt lender, meaning as a private lender, eight percent return on my money? 
right? Well, that means that the opportunity for them to make more, they're not seeing. If this is you and you're having these same conversations internally with yourself, your spouse or others, something to think about on the real estate side is that, hey, we're not just offering an 8% return or you're not just getting an 8% return. Instead, real estate offers four core ways for you to profit. Number one, being through appreciation. Number two, being through leverage. Number three, being through the cash flow per month. And number four, being the tax benefits. In addition to, like I mentioned earlier, there's less volatility with real estate. It is insured against losses. There is a high positive cash on cash return advantage. And it is a hard, tangible asset, right? So if you're calculating all of these different advantages to investing in real estate over stocks, and you're looking at stocks as producing an eight to eight and a half percent return, and what about real estate? Well, appreciation is anywhere from two to three percent, right? That it's tracking. Leverage, if we factor that in additionally, meaning that you're leveraging your capital, something you cannot do with stocks for every $1, you buy $3 worth of real estate that doesn't happen in stocks, right? Leverage adds an additional two to 4% to your return, estimating about 3%, right? The difference between how much you borrow, your interest rate that you get from a bank or lender versus your cap rate that the property is performing and producing at right? The difference between that borrowed interest rate and the cap rate of the property, right, is that leverage piece I'm talking about. That's that two to 4% gain that you have. So if you're borrowing money from the bank at 6% and your cap rate on the property is, let's say, 4%, right? Then you have that 2% differential, which is where you're leveraged. That's additional 2% you're gaining using leverage, right? That's awesome. That's not something you can do with stocks. The third criteria is that we're looking at is cash flow, right? Cash is king is what people say, but cash flow is really, you know, more of the tune of, of in real estate. And cash flow is usually going to produce for you anywhere from five to 6% return. And then you have your tax benefits, which is another one to 2% benefit. So if we're being super, super conservative and adding these things up, appreciation, leverage, cash flow, and tax benefits, conservatively, you're already at a 10% return, right? If we're just using the lower numbers, being again, conservative, 2% for appreciation, 2% for leverage, 5% for cash flow, and 1% for tax benefits. If we're using that, that's already a 10 versus 8% return minus the volatility, right? Minus the insurance that stocks does not provide. So that 10% is not even a cash on cash return that you're looking at. It's just a cost analysis, an opportunity cost analysis. If you want to be in stocks at an eight to eight and a half percent return versus being in real estate for 10% minimum with the advantages of increases in rent. There's not been a time in history where rents now have been decreasing. Rents are increasing, especially right now because the demand for rental property is super high, especially as we start to get back into the climate of foreclosures happening, right? And depreciating the values of their neighboring assets. That's huge. People are scramming into the rental market to be tenants with, the, with that being the goal because they're priced out of the home ownership market.
right? So that's just something that you want to think about when you think about, hmm, am I going to be renovating properties or do I want to look towards new development? Do I want to be in stocks or, hmm, do I really want to be invested in real estate? Do I want to manage properties and do research into markets to know that based on my market research and my management potential or team, that I do have a solid engine or asset that is producing cash flow for me every single month. So it's making me wealthier, right? These are conversations I want you guys to start to have. And these are the insights that I want to give you so that it can stimulate that thought process and help you to determine what type of investor you want to be so that you can participate and more so benefit from the insight but also from the activity that's going on right now. So I hope that makes you happy to hear. I hope you stay listening. I hope to hear you on the next, have you on the next episode. And until that next episode, start to determine if you haven't already, what type of investor you want to be. Until next episode, I want you guys to be great. I want you guys to be active. I want you guys to be excited about all of the infinite returns that you can generate and also the infinite possibilities that can help to build your financial fortress so that it is indestructible to market volatility, to pandemic activity, to job loss, to recession, or even a hedge against inflation. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Peace and blessings to you all. And I'm out. And when I say I'm out, I mean I'm out looking at the next new construction development deals and appreciating markets at anywhere from a 5 to 6% cap rate on the lower end unless we're going into higher C to D class assets, getting a higher cap rate, but also subjecting ourselves to higher potential of turnover, maintenance needs, and vacancies. So I am out looking at the other opportunities this market is providing, and I want you to do the same. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe to this channel, share it with your friends, family, and other. And I want you guys to make sure, make sure I can't emphasize or overemphasize it enough. You do something with every bit of great information that you receive. Until next time, be great. And more importantly, be investing. 